0: Let's get started. Thirty years. Okay. (laughs) 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 All right, I'm going. Okay. (laughs) Good. Can you hear a baby in the background right there?
1: No, I thought I heard you drinking something though.
0: You did. You did. (laughs) All right, here we go. It's kind of sensual. you okay tonight (laughs) you're
1: dude i'm I'm, like i'm so like wore out and just exhausted that i'm just like in this like goofy mood all right all right here we go yeah
0: 30 years after the original attack out of the magma a terror arises it's the return of godzilla
1: Not entirely sure that maybe that was our theme music.
0: That was the theme music. <laughs> at Great. least our attempt at theme music,
1: Alex. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh anyway, so hey everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Monsters vs. Men, where we're trying our best to stay alive. Joining me, as always, the Super X himself, Eric. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, you have reduced me to a vehicle now. I see what I am to you, Alex.
1: Hey, but it's a vehicle like kind of on par with like the SY3 uh, uh-huh. from back then. So, hey, I think the Super X is actually pretty cool. If I'm being is, honest. No, I,
0: I give it some credit for sure. <laughs> and uh, I'm
1: Alex, by the way, everybody.
0: Alex, the Kaiju fan. And I'm Eric, the semi newbie at this point. I don't think you are anymore. I
1: mean, you're new to the Hesai era, I guess, but.
0: I am. Man, this we're, is this is new territory for us this week. Yeah. Yeah. We're 15 down. Infinity to go, Alex.
1: <laughs> I guess yeah, I guess this podcast can go on that long.
0: All right. Hey, so I there were a couple of uh Apple podcast reviews that I wanted to highlight to you, Alex. I thought one was nice and one was kind of funny. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, <laughs> the first one was from David. Um David is one of the co-hosts at the Kaiju Apostle podcast. I would say like They're kind of our buddy podcast. I I like David. I've talked with him several times on Twitter. Um, He listens to our podcast. We listen to their podcast. But he left us a nice review. And part of his review said this. It said, sometimes a podcast can be tough to listen to, and that's just how it goes. Thankfully, Monsters vs. Men is not that way. Both Alex and Eric are wonderful hosts, and their already established friendship makes this podcast quite unique in the way they riff off one another. Their insights into the films are astute as well. So far, they are covering films many others have touched, but in a way that is sensitive and reverent towards the source material.
1: That was really nice. That was though. sweet.
0: Yeah, I know. I thought that was really nice.
1: So for a second there, I thought you were going to end it. Sometimes a podcast can be tough to listen to, and that's just how it goes. I thought you were going to end <laughs> it there. I was like, why are we reading that one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I also, we've also received a couple reviews, Alex, from some students that have found the podcast. And I posted this one on Twitter, but I thought it was pretty funny. He said, "There is no screen name. It was just a like a meme face." Yeah, it was a like, screen name.
1: <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it says,
0: "This is the best podcast I have ever listened to." Probably true, by the way, Alex, because he's probably never listened to another podcast. Oh, I haven't wow. even seen yeah, I haven't even seen the movies, and I love it. The Theometer is also amazing. Ten out of five stars.
1: Oh, man, he's going to (laughs) be disappointed when he finds out that the theometer is, like, kind of coming and going now.
0: I know, he will. And, hey, lastly, Alex, I did receive an email from uh, a fan, um, and he asked, he told me to ask you.
1: To ask me in particular?
0: Yeah, to ask you in particular. How did Honda describe his first Godzilla movie? Oh. It was... I'll tell you this, Alex. It was a monster piece. <laughs> <laughs> he literally told me to tell this joke oh on air. Right? <laughs> I'm like, this, it has to be the worst, uh, worst uh, pun of all time.
1: <laughs> well, this guy is talking my language. Whoever sent it to you because I love horrible puns. So thank you. Who, well, who sent this in?
0: This was my cousin, Brian. This is oh, my cousin, Brian. Thank you, you Brian. You know Brian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's
1: a monster piece.
0: So here we go. Uh, <laughs> let's get into this film, Alex. I'll start with our introduction this time.
1: It's so bad.
0: Okay. As a direct sequel to 1954's Gojira, the return of Godzilla attempts to bring the same ominous tone back to the franchise after veering away from Godzilla as foe for the majority of the films from the Showa era. Directed by Koji Hashimoto, the return of Godzilla marks the return of familiar faces and familiar characters. We get a professor, a journalist, and a brother sister sister combo that feel like characters out of a Honda or a Fukuda film. But as we asked last week in nineteen eighty four, does Godzilla change forevermore? Or as you asked, Alex, <laughs> after a nine year slumber, does the return of Godzilla unencumber?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that we're getting getting to move forward. It definitely feels like we've shed off a lot of weight from the last 30 years. Of, I guess it was the last 20 years of movies. Because we had a lot of tropes and stuff that had kind of been exhausted by the time we even got to the end. Even though you and me both really liked uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla. But while I do really miss the show era and all that fun that we used to have. The fun is over. And we've broken up. And in walks this shiny new girlfriend, that is the Hesire. And while this new flavor has some issues, I'm kind of digging it. The tone is refreshing and it harkens back a bit to what Godzilla used to be in that original film. And while I've got a lot of mixed feelings overall, I gotta say I'm looking forward to a second date. (laughs) Were you relieved to see what, I guess, what this film brings? Yeah, I mean,
0: here's the thing, though, Alex. I think you're right. It, it feels like we, we can move forward at this point. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of throwbacks in this film. Yes. And yeah, it definitely feels the most like Gojira. But there are just these little elements throughout that you're like, oh, we've seen kind of this before in a different movie,
1: <laughs> right? Uh-huh. In
0: any of the show era movies. And so I really appreciated that. I thought it did a really good job at being – at at kind of shedding some of the Showa era stuff that it wanted to shed while still paying homage to some of the elements of the Showa era. It felt familiar and yet so updated. You know, that nine or 10 year gap really made a difference in terms of technology. From the opening credits, I knew that we were going to get a tone that was similar to the original. What was funny, though, is like that beginning scene where we're on the boat and we get yeah. that Godzilla sighting at sea. It took me back to Son of Godzilla, which has a, a similar <laughs> opening, but a completely opposite tone.
1: Yeah, it but does have a cool really,
0: opening, though. It does, it does. But really, it, this new score um, by Rejiro Kuroku, it can't compare to Akira Ifakube's original, of course, mm-hmm. but it still created that sense of foreboding that we've come to expect. And we see that volcanic activity happening off the coast of Japan you know that something is coming, coming, something big is about to happen. And I also think that the camera work at the beginning of the film uh, adds to that tone. We get Gar- Goro, the reporter, he's exploring that deserted, and it turns out, infested vessel. But man, that scene at the beginning when he explores it, it feels like something out of one of your favorite movies, Alex, yeah. which is The Thing. you know. Uh, it really it reminded me of The Thing a lot. But it, it even reminded me of, of Alien a little bit. You know, it, just, it turns out that these were just giant sea louse, right? Right. <laughs> Enlarged by Godzilla's radiation. But there were some really cool point of view shots um, that really built the suspense. And then when Goro finds Hiroshi, there's a little detail I really appreciated. And that's Hiroshi. He's, he's so petrified that even though he's passed out, he has such a strong hold oh. on the knife that he's holding. Yeah. that Goro has to pry his hands open to take the knife out. It was just a little detail, but I really thought it was a good detail just to show uh, the intensity and the, and the tone of the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, the tone overall, just in this film, is it's a nice big turn from what we've kind of come to expect from like a standard Godzilla movie. It feels like a natural descendant to the original film. He's mm-hmm. got that dark tone that carries throughout. And I think horror elements that start to show a lot of promise. Now, the horror kind of feels like it ends once he gets off that boat.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wish it would have continued.
1: Yeah, I wish it would have continued too. Because, I mean, they could have made Godzilla like, really terrifying. They still make him like a, a menace to society. But he's not yeah. quite that terror. Uh, I think part of it is because... Godzilla's not quite as intelligent as we've kind of come to expect. Mm. He, he, he is like 100 percent an animal on this, and I kind of miss the intelligence. I like the fact that he's like this unstoppable thing of nature, and he like he wipes out an entire army with one atomic breath, which is an awesome scene by the way. You, you see him going on to uh, coming up from the shore and he wipes out that entire army in, in a flash. It just shows, like, a completely destroyed area. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I like this new Godzilla. Uh, I, I like the feeling. I just... I wish he was a, a little more intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something we might get later on, but... That's really my only complaint about this one. That and the puppet Godzilla looks really different from the suit Godzilla, which... Strangely enough, it was a problem in the original Godzilla. There's like a real big difference between Puppet and the real one. Mm -hmm. There's so many small things that I'm excited to see. And one of them is our boy, Goromaki. He's back at it again,
0: Eric. Yeah, man. No, I thought that was really interesting. Goromaki, you know, that's such a weird throwback. Because there's really no continuity here. Um, But it's really interesting that the franchise decides to keep that name, at least, Goro Maki, and with the same type of character, a reporter. Uh, Did you find any particular reason for that, Alex, uh, in your research?
1: No, I think it's just a throwback, and I think it's a way to kind of show that this is a new timeline. This isn't the same Goro Maki in the previous film. This is a new one, and I guess maybe this is a trend we're going to see is, Old characters coming back in new ways.
0: Yeah, no, I I liked it. I thought it was a really cool uh, throwback. But I was also excited to see some familiar faces, Alex. Um, So this is probably a good time to mention a couple. You might remember uh, Yosuke uh, Natsuke as Dr. Makoto Hayashida. That's the biophysicist professor um, who I really like. He's actually one of my favorite characters in here. Um, but he was also Detective Shindo in Ghidorah the three-headed uh, monster. I did not well see, I did not recognize dude, him. I recognize these other two, but I did not recognize him. Um I like Hayashida as a character. You know, he embodies kind of the professor's mentality from Gojira. Yes. Um he really does. And when Hiroshi talks about how much he wants revenge on Godzilla, it's you know, Professor uh Hayashida that's Whose father and family was killed in like the original attack? was it his father or was it his family? i I forget
1: yeah, it's like his father, I think it's his parents, yeah, or something I think
0: like it that. was yeah, yeah. they were killed in the original attack thirty years later, but he's the one that's taking a step back and he doesn't want revenge because in a sense, he knows that Godzilla is immortal, um and all they can do is send them back to where he came from anytime a militaristic solution occurs he pushes back with a naturalistic solution and i really appreciated that about him and it's one of the things too that uh i think he recognizes i would push back on your point a little bit about godzilla's intelligence i don't know if i need an intelligent godzilla i need a right. godzilla that feels like a force and i think we get that you know you're right godzilla does feel like an animal here godzilla is not doing this out of menace. Well, except for maybe whenever he destroys uh, SpaceX. I was going to
1: say, what about uh, yeah, that and then also the train? Because, I mean, he picks it up, yeah. looks inside, sees people, and tosses it. He does.
0: <laughs> he does. But, you know, he's searching for food. And that point is kind of reinforced yeah. a couple different times. Um, but that's the professor. I, I also wanted to um, bring up Yoshibumi Tajima as Hidaka. He was the minister of the environment in the film. He's been in a little bit of everything, man. But I think hes you might remember him best. I remembered him best from All Monsters Attack. He was the detective. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been in a little bit of everything. And then there's also Hiroshi Kozumi as Minami. He was the geologist. Um, he was Shoichi all the way back in Godzilla Raids again. Wow. But then he proceeded to play three different prof- professors in three different Godzilla Showa era films. <laughs> <laughs> so there were several throwback actors here uh, that I appreciated, but I'll tell you one of my criticisms of the film, Alex, I enjoyed those throwbacks and I enjoyed these types of characters, but after the first third of the movie, I didn't feel like we got that, that character development. Um <laughs> One scene in particular that I wasn't just a huge fan of was the helicopter scene um, where they're trying to do the rescue from the skyscraper oh, right. in the helicopter. It goes on too long. It goes on way too long. And it just seems nonsensical. And there's no real point in it because they only rescued the professor in that scene. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, what is the point here? I, I don't understand. Um, that's, that's a minor complaint. Um, I thought the Godzilla action in general was pretty remarkable. What about you, Alex?
1: Yeah, and to your point, I was thinking the same thing about the helicopter, but then I, I did remember that in an earlier scene, they talked about how strong the winds were for some reason. I don't remember why they even talked about it. But maybe the intention was to get everybody, but once the winds were too strong, they weren't able to do it. Uh, that That's kind of the only thing I can really think of. But as for me, i I really... I wasn't saying that I didn't like Godzilla being a monster because I do really like him being a monster again. I just I don't like the idea of birds being a solution to defeat Godzilla. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> it's understand. a
1: little odd. Like, Does that mean Godzilla gets distracted every time a flock of birds goes by his head? <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's a little. I think it's one of the lamer ways to take care of him I could possibly think of. But it's not the worst. I And I do like that. We'd get the real monster again. And we the last time we saw him was probably, I would say, Raids again. He was was still a legit monster back in Raids Mm again. And I like that all he wants to do is feed and maybe destroy a little bit. Like I said, he he tosses that train to the side. He kind of does a few things he didn't really need to do. (laughs) But in particular... Something I really like about Godzilla was the fight where he goes up against the Super X, which initially looks like something he's going to destroy in one go, right? Mm-hmm. And who would have thought that this little ship keeps on trucking and puts on puts up such a fight? I mean, initially, it takes out Godzilla immediately. Three cadmium rounds right to the mouth. Mm-hmm. And the cadmium rounds they had established is what they used to kind of control nuclear reactors when they were kind of spiraling out of control. Godzilla immediately falls over and... They get the W. I mean, well, that's after Godzilla hits him with that atomic breath that has zero effect, which is like kind of a, uh, not jaw dropping, but it was a moment of like, oh, like. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: when you knew it. That's when you knew <laughs> Super X uh, stood a chance.
1: Yeah, and it gave really a interesting feeling of continuity from the original Godzilla, because now it's clear like humans have been prepping for another monster to return. And luckily, the monster that came back was Godzilla, so they were ready for heat shields and everything. What I like about the fight between Godzilla and this little tiny ship is when Godzilla gets back up from that nuclear incident, he, uh, the Super X is like strafing behind a building, mm-hmm. and Godzilla tries to anticipate where he's going to land and blows a hole through the building to try to hit him, which mm-hmm. goes to show more intelligence than maybe I was trying to—I was giving him to begin with. But then it has an awesome shot where you look through the hole and there's the super X and it just unloads everything through the hole at Godzilla,
0: Mm. which is
1: just a real, that's just a really cool moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think probably the best part that that whole thing leads to is Godzilla can take more hits than the super X can. And eventually the super X goes down and Godzilla grabs that skyscraper and just shoves it over on top of the Super X, which is just is so cool. I mean, it's the first time we've seen a skyscraper in Godzilla, like an actual skyscraper. And so yeah. it was really cool to see it be used as a weapon.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like that. And You mentioned that shot. Um, I, I have to compliment Koji Hashimoto's direction in the film overall. Um, this is only one of two films. He ever directed he was the assistant director on several past and future Godzilla films that we'll take a look at um, but man I want to compliment the scale that he brings to some of the small scenes you know there's so many moments from reporters at a press conference to crowds of onlookers rushing to get a look at Godzilla that required yeah. large-scale coordination of extras. Um, it really brings an epic level scale to this picture. And then we have the different settings. You know, we get the abandoned vessel. We get the power plant. We get Tokyo. We get Mount Mahara. And then we get the behind-closed-doors conversations in that UN-like setting. Yeah. We get a, a little bit of everything. It, I, I like a movie that will take me places. Um, my favorite Lord of the Rings movie is The Fellowship of the Ring. Because there's just it's just a journey. It's an epic journey through so many different places and settings. And I feel like we kind of get that here in this film.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised it's not two towers. Because that's just 40 minutes of traveling footage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's traveling footage in the same (laughs) setting, though. That's the difference.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned that UN-like setting. And that really brings to mind a lot of the themes that this film has. And some of the new and returning ones. And some are more overt than others. But I like that we get the typical nuclear weapons talking points. It's nice to see those back again. It's like, you know, what's Godzilla without a nuclear talking point? But (laughs) It's it's necessary. Right, it is. And and it actually does feel appropriate, you know. It's not tacked on like we saw with some of Fukuda's films. No, it's relevant,
0: right? It's more relevant than it has been in the past, actually. Oh, yeah. In a different way. It's relevant in a different way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty relevant. I mean, what, this is a few years after Three Mile Island. Uh, This film actually takes place two years before uh, Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. And then right now, you've also got the Cold War, which is going on. So I think it's really interesting that the film depicts Russia and America as kind of two sides of the same coin. They depict both as using nukes as an easy, quick solution to a problem. Which, if you know anything about the Cold War, nukes were a very big deal. (laughs) So, it was something that seemed like a very real option in the real world at the time. And you can really kind of feel those undertones in this movie. And I like that the two opposing forces at the time agree that nukes are the answer. Even though they seem to think it's the easiest, it's also the messiest solution, especially for Japan. And what I really like about their Russia and America's cooperation at a time where they absolutely hate each other is that in in the middle, you have Prime Minister Minamura. And he's like this stoic Japanese leader that listens more than he talks. And he's more about precision and thinking and he knows that the easiest solution is not the best solution and i think that's really cool to see japan kind of taking the reins of a situation that they really don't have control of but he does out of what he feels like is a necessity to not nuke his own people which yeah i just really i just really like that american russian kind of Almost like a contradiction to reality, but also a parallel. Yeah,
0: I like the prime minister. I think he's going to come back in our conversation here in a little bit. But that conference scene with the American and the Russian diplomat there—it was so well done. Um, now, I don't think the diplomats were were they diplomats? Government officials? They were
1: envoys, is what it said okay. on the. That yeah. was the name description.
0: Yeah, so they weren't the I mean, let's be honest, they were caricatures oh, they of were their horrible. respective countries. They weren't great actors by any means.
1: I gotta mention this real quick, Eric. I gotta mention it. Did you notice the scene where the Russians are talking in the nuclear sub and they mention America and they just say Los Angeles oh, yeah. in Russian? <laughs> they say Los Angeles yeah. and Los Angeles is nowhere in the in the translation. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's hilarious though. Uh, But, you know, I like in that scene, that diplomat scene, when H- Hashimoto b- builds the tension um, to the point where you think the prime minister might actually give in to the idea of nuclear weapons. But then we get this flashback scene to an earlier meeting with Japan, just Japanese officials, and it really asks some interesting questions that are pretty relevant. Will nuclear weapons result in fewer casualties overall? Will nuclear weapons even stop the threat? you understand why Japan is asking these questions, right? Yeah. Ultimately, you know, I think kind of the message here, and the professor has said this in, in the film, we see that human civilization, especially egotism driven by a sense of revenge, that becomes the most dangerous threat. Um, we saw the professor Hayashida preaching that all film long, all the, all, the entire film, but uh, I think it really hits home in that scene. I also I also like the theme that's explored earlier in the film. It's, it's kind of left about halfway through, but it it it's, it revolves around Goro and it deals with the issue we still debate about today: what's the responsibility of reporters um, or of those in the truth telling profession? Do they cover up what they've seen to protect the peaceful state of order, or do they tell the truth at the expense of potential chaos? Right? Because Goro is in this predicament where. Uh, he knows what the government knows and he's a reporter and he wants to tell the truth. And ultimately he does tell the truth to the people that need to hear it. Um, I think Hashimoto concludes that the latter, um, that the truth telling is the correct course of action because the truth comes out eventually. Um, It's just, if we wait too long, then we have less time to prepare for the oncoming storm. Um, There's some personal consequences though, for the truth telling as well. Um, did you think about that theme uh, whenever it was happening, Alex?
1: Yeah, I did, because when they were shutting down Goromaki's story, that's something we've seen in in the media today. We see we see news stories getting shut down that shouldn't be, but then also you kind of understand the point of view. Like Godzilla, at this point in time, may not bother Japan, and so yeah. to buy themselves time to think about what to do, why not keep chaos from happening? But on the other end, the people deserve the truth. Yeah. And so I can see both both sides of it. As a leader, you I totally get not wanting to tell your people right away. Yeah.
0: No, exactly. It reminded it reminded me of uh, WikiLeaks, actually, is <laughs> kind of what it reminded me of. But um, you know, Alex, this week, just transitioning for a moment, yeah. You know, I had a staff meeting. I had a staff meeting, a podcast staff meeting with Theo. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we were talking and he, and he was just, he was concerned about the stress level of, of trying to put out a weekly theometer, you know, it, it's tough putting out yeah. a weekly podcast it is, and it is. He he felt the stress of it, you know? And so he asked me, you know, could I just contribute occasionally? You know, at first I told him, no, you know, I'm a pretty hard yeah. stickler, you know? But then I started to understand his point of view. And so I said, I guess we can add in a couple of new segments um, and get you in every couple of weeks. And, and he was really appreciative. And he said he'd even help us out a little bit with some of our new segments if we need. So we have a new segment this week, Alex. Okay and it's a surprise to you. Yes, it is. We're just going to tr- we're going to try something. And it was, <laughs> oh, no. it was actually inspired. It was it was inspired by the email that I shared with you earlier, the oh, monster, the monster piece, piece email. Yes. <laughs> so what we're going to call the segment is Monster Piece Theater. It, all right.
1: <laughs> okay. So
0: here's here's the idea. Have you, you know Masterpiece Theater from PBS? You know I what know I'm it, but about? I
1: haven't watched
0: it. I know what it That's is. That's good. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Um it's like it's like Downton Abbey is masterpiece theater, okay? Right. Um so in another one of my favorite film podcasts, film spotting, they do something called massacre theater. All right. where okay. they take a scene from a, a scene from a classic film, they don't tell you what it is, and then they act it out, right, pretty terribly, and then people guess what that scene is. So that's what we're going to do, Alex. I've chosen a segment of dialogue from a previous film that we've covered. All right. Oh. Um, and I chose something completely random without context. It's going to be hard to recognize. I'm, I I doubt that you will recognize this scene. Uh, without thinking about it for a while so here's what we're going to do we're going to act this out using our professionally honed acting skills using whatever accent we choose all right
1: okay, okay. <laughs> the listener's
0: job the listener's job is to identify the film and send the correct answer to our email mvmpod at com. Okay. and listen alex I'm, we've got a prize so, oh, so do feel- we we do. We have a prize. A giveaway. Right? A giveaway.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Theo, Theo said he couldn't do a theometer, but you know what he contributed?
1: They he do. Contributed,
0: a drawing. He contributed a one of a kind Godzilla masterpiece. I will call it a monsterpiece, actually, oh. Alex. <laughs> that the first person to send me the correct film will get this mailed to them if they are willing to share with me their address. <laughs> all right. I'll post I'll post a picture of this. I'll post a picture of it on Twitter. All right. Okay. So remember, if you know the film, if you know the film, email mvmpod at gmail.com. Oh, my You'll get gosh. a one-of-a-kind piece of MVM uh, memorabilia.
1: All right, Eric. How does right, this Alex? work?
0: So here's how it works. There's actually three characters in this scene. For this okay. week, I'll be two characters. All right. All right. You are just character A. And I will give you a hint. She is a woman, so you're, <laughs> you're gonna have to use a female accent. Here. Gonna, all
1: right, I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do my voice. I do when I pretend to be CC in front of CC. Okay.
0: All right. So, uh, are you, you think you're ready for this? Yes. All right. So you are character A. Got it. All right. And, all right. You ready? Here we yeah. go. And action.
1: Hi there. You're home early. <laughs>
0: I saw something very interesting. What? (laughs) Girl falls for man with nice car. Who was that guy?
1: Oh, him? Don't talk about Mr. Alex like that. Is this Mr. Alex, your boyfriend? Of course not. He's an associate professor at the university. (laughs) Sounds like a catch. Mother, Professor Alex was up in the mountains. He's investigating that meteorite. He was telling me about it. It's very strange. Look, more mysteries of the
0: 20th century. You're always
1: talking about work.
0: <laughs> End scene.
1: I know what the answer is.
0: Do you really? That's yes. awesome, dude. Yeah, I that's think great. So. That's great. All right, all right. Well, don't tell me now. You can well tell. Tell me off the air. All right. Okay. Um obviously I change I changed the name I ch- there's no Mr Alex <laughs> yes there's no Mr. Alex in the Godzilla franchise, but you think you know them you think you know the answer
1: yeah i am like ninety nine percent sure I know nice there are a couple there are
0: there, there is a detail that there's I only one there detail
1: that, that I picked that should out. should give like, it yeah, yes
0: yep yeah. so first person to email us that will get that one of a kind artwork I'll post it on Twitter it is epic
1: yeah see if cc was here she would do her voice of me as that's always like hey
0: all right alex so let's move into our awards who was your coolest character award this week
1: uh mine is actually one of my favorite characters of the entire series so far uh prime minister minamura i think he's the coolest i love how during the board meeting He talks so little, and his stoicness Mm -hmm. and his ability to listen and mediate is really impressive. And I also really like that he makes the phone call right after the meeting to set America and Russia straight about how he feels about it. I just, I really like a character who listens before he does, like, he commits to action. And this was really cool to see.
0: Oh, definitely. No, he, he was in contention for me. Um, <laughs> but my coolest character. Oh, no. It, it's awesome. No, this guy is so cool. <laughs> he He's in the train when Godzilla picks up the train. We don't know who this character is, okay, Alex? Yeah. He pick, Godzilla picks up the train, and we just get a cut, a glimpse of this guy for a second. He's I know like exactly a priest. He's about. a priest with long hair and sunglasses. Yes. Okay. And for some reason, He takes off these sunglasses and just with a smile stares the god of death, Godzilla, in the eyes and welcomes his fate.
1: (laughs) Dude, it's such a weird moment.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so weird. And I love it. Like, I really love it. Like, think about being at such peace at that moment. Like,
1: (laughs) if you could just take off your sunglasses and smile. Yeah, I mean, come on. Dude, he was he was a Godzilla fanboy. You knew he like, he was he was. He's like, if I'm gonna hard. go, if <laughs> I'm gonna go, this is how I want to go. <laughs> That's right. Drop me fifty feet. <laughs> hey, it's
0: either like this or I die in my sleep after watching all monsters attack. One of the two.
1: Uh, yeah, throw me fifty feet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Every time. So next award, Alex is the most memorable line award. Um, and so here's, here's my most memorable line. Uh, we get a cut to the Godzilla emergency countermeasures HQ. I love that name, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know, right?
0: Uh, Yeah. And then we get the conclusion of this presentation from the chairman of the Godzilla emergency countermeasures HQ. (laughs) And he says, he says the army, Navy, and air force will work together to come up with a plan to defeat Godzilla. This concludes the explanation.
1: That is not an explanation, <laughs> sir. Yeah. No, it
0: was just so blunt. It was like, "All right, yeah, great. It sounds like we've got a great plan in place."
1: That, that's uh, like one of those lines where it's like you're at work and you, everyone has to go to a meeting and nothing happens. You're like, you could have sent that in an email. That's what that yep. was—the equivalent of. Yep,
0: and this yeah. concludes the ex. <laughs> this concludes the PowerPoint explanation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright Alex what was
0: yours most memorable line
1: Mine was actually like more of a serious one So this was uh, This was Prime Minister uh, Minamura Again And this is after being asked What he said to convince the Russians and Americans Not to use uh, Nuclear weapons He says I said that if Godzilla appeared in your countries And attacked Washington and Moscow would you have the courage to use nuclear weapons knowing that many of your people would be killed? And this this line was like perfect for me and kind of this is one of the reasons why he's my coolest character is that is one of the best ways to get someone on your side in terms of trying to convince them is giving them a scenario where you put them in your shoes and it just it just mm-hmm. goes to show his ability as a leader to really handle others i just like Yeah.
0: No, he turns their words against them. <laughs> also, yeah. you know, like when, when they when the Russian accuses him of egotism, he flips that back on its head uh, yeah. and really gets the Russian and the American reflecting on what they're asking the Japanese people to do. So that's that's a great line. What about your Can't Believe That Acting Award?
1: Yeah, it's gotta be the uh the homeless man that just makes some yeah. random appearances. <laughs> uh and he, he could probably be a coolest character because that guy knows what's up. Having a five course meal during a Godzilla attack, you mm-hmm. know, he he knows he knows what he's doing. But in this part, after he helps, uh, I think it's Goromaki and Yasuko um, yeah. get out of the building where Godzilla is already destroying it, which I really like. People being in buildings while Godzilla destroys them. <laughs> I, I, I just really like that. <laughs> and something yeah. I realized during this, I was like, you know, every time I see this, I'm like, oh, I like that. That's a good idea. <laughs> Knock it over. Um, but, <laughs> but after he helps them get down, he, he steps outside and he sees Godzilla walking in his general direction. And just proceeds to just pass out. <laughs> it's like, this really is <laughs> strange moment and we just never see this character again and it's just (laughs) it's just weird like he just kind of dives in the movie like three times for no reason just for like a little levity i guess but it's totally unnecessary
0: (laughs) yeah no you're right uh the the uh the character you're talking about there with goro alex is naoko um which is hiroshi's sister um Played by Yasuko ah, uh, Sawaguchi.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but no, I, I love that character too. He actually has a line that I thought about for my most memorable line. He says something like, don't think of this as a disaster. Think of this as a chance. I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Which is awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, but for, for my Can't Believe the Acting Award, we've already talked about him, but I'm going to go with the Japanese Prime Minister, um the actor is kaiju kobayashi he did a fantastic job in this role you can see the genuine contemplation and distress on his face um, as he battles internally with the consequences of his actions he's a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders uh but kobayashi just brings a natural grace to the role as you've mentioned um that makes the prime minister a standout character to me
1: yeah now wait are you saying... Okay, never mind. Kaiju Kobayashi is the actor's real name. Okay, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, yeah, yeah. I was like, have I been saying it wrong this whole time? <laughs> no, no, no. That's the actor. <laughs> What's your standout effect award?
0: Um, so I'm going to go with the low... It's, once Godzilla attacks the city, the low angle shots of Godzilla that are reflected off the skyscrapers. Oh, um, yeah. The first time it happened, I was just like, holy crap, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and then it happened a couple more times to less. Like I was less impressed as it happened more. Of like, right. just keep it that one time, you know. But it was really cool. I, I love that effect.
1: Yeah, that that's a really cool one. My favorite was as we kind of talked about a little bit before. But when Godzilla knocks over that skyscraper, yeah, and I still I am still so glad. Like our miniatures have gotten way more elaborate. The mm-hmm. the jump from the last series to this one is. It's unbelievable, really. I mean, it's it's huge in terms of miniature work, <laughs> yeah. pardon the pun. But the skyscraper, <laughs> I just love it when he <laughs> pushes that large building on top of the Super X. He's just got that really cool shot that shows that building slowly falling towards the Super X as it's helpless and it's, people are like trying to get out of it. It's just awesome. And then Godzilla's just standing there afterwards like, it ain't no thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was like was that really necessary i don't know <laughs> but it was awesome yeah.
1: yeah it was like insult to injury but you know they did not care it was it was, like, to... it was
0: like the claw you know it was the claw clap from ebra all yes. over again yeah it really did
1: <laughs> it was like complete excess but it was also like his revenge it was awesome yeah what about your oh that's a good shot award alex uh, I think mine has to be at the end of the film, but it's probably not the shot that I think most people would pick. Uh, there's actually two, and there's I say that because there's two shots that actually happen at the one thirty nine mark. That's an hour and 39 minute mark. Mm-hmm. The first one that I think most people would pick is you see Godzilla's silhouette with the lava erupting behind him right before he falls into the volcano. It's this really cool shot, but I was more impressed with the shot that follows it. Mm. And it's a shot of all the government officials and the Prime Minister uh, Minamura included watching what happens to Godzilla. The entire room is filled with like this red flashing light that's the lava coming off, the- and it's just from the TV that they're watching. But mm. everyone is just covered in this red. And Prime Minister Minamura gets this close up shot of him trying to hold back from crying and it's just really awesome. And like kind of a moving moment.
0: Well, it's the music there as well, right? Like, yeah, the, the music kind of juxtaposes with the images that we're receiving, right? It's like a strange mix of grief and victory because we know that this threat is gone, but yet there's still something lingering and that smoke coming out of the volcano at the end as the credits roll. It, it kind of indicates to you, like, this threat is not leaving anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and I really like that the film explicitly says, like, this isn't going to kill him. This is just going to stop him for now. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, my shot was, there were several shots to choose, choose from. Um, but the shot that I chose, it just tells the story of this movie, I think, in one frame. And it's when Godzilla has collapsed into the skyscraper. And we get Super X. It hovers in the foreground, reveling in its victory. But at the <laughs> same time, we, it, this is the one. There's a couple shots like that. But this is the one that also has the red hue. Um, so both of our shots have that red hue in it. Yeah. But this one has the red hue that has fallen over the scene after the nuclear missile has just been intercepted by the American forces. Right. Um, Which is so awesome. Much meaning. Exactly. There's so much meaning in that one shot. I love how I do love how that nuclear missile comes back. Like they decided not to use the nuclear weapons, but of course, guess what? Man is the biggest monster, you know. So uh, all of a sudden, we get that interception by the Americans, and then we have the, that shot. It's just that red hue is over it. Uh, it just tells so so much of the story. In one frame. And so I really love that shot.
1: Yeah. And it's like the, it's one of the, it's the only moment after the ship that kind of gives you like that eerie horror feeling.
0: Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. No, that's true. That's good.
1: Yeah. I, um, I really what about it.
0: you? What about your uh, rating, Alex, of this film? And as, as we're moving into the Hussai era, I think we're going to start a new list, right? Of Hussai ranking and then an overall list of, our Godzilla films. So obviously right. this is our first Asai film, so it's number one right now. It'll be the um, best and worst. Yeah. Uh, but what's your rating and where does it fall uh, on your list?
1: Uh, yeah, so for me, there's a lot to like about the film. I like the initial moments where everything has that horror tinge to it. I like the new design of Godzilla. It's still a little, it still feels like it's got one foot back in the Showa era and one foot towards modernity. But I guess a teaser for next week, we go into modernity next week. And I'm excited because it is the classic Godzilla look. But that aside, some of the effects are almost worse than the Showa era in terms of we get The puppets and the animatronic arms. Where it just sometimes looks like it is a robot. It doesn't have that natural feeling. But overall I really like Godzilla in this. And then I really like it when humans are involved in the fight back. Like the Super X is really cool. I like what Super X represents. It represents this preparation of humanity. For a force that they know might one day come back. I'm still not clear if they know that the original Godzilla died or not. It seems to leave that answer in the air of whether this is the same one or a different one. Mm. I can't really tell. Yeah, I do know because I know what comes up in the in this series that Mm -hmm. the other one did die, but it's not clear when I'm watching this this
0: one. one. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, I love that awesome '80s soundtrack. It's just. It's yeah. a nice change of pace of what we have been doing. Like I miss Akira Ifakube, but like that kind of almost generic 80s soundtrack.
0: Yeah, no, I liked it. It was I endearing really to me. Yeah, yeah. I really
1: yeah. liked it. All that stuff combined with like those Cold War vibes and the message, and then the ending, although I didn't like the way they solve it, I do... I like the emotion from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to put it at like a... I think it's going to be a seven out of, oh wait, oh no, I almost did it again. I almost did it again. <laughs> it's going to be a three and a half out of five for me. I There's a lot to like about it, but I do have a couple problems. But overall, this is a really refreshing take on Godzilla. Yeah. What about you?
0: Alex, I don't know how we keep on lining up on these things. I really don't. <laughs> but I, I'm giving it a three and a half stars as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like some of the points that you made. I, I like the soundtrack. It has an endearing 80s quality to me. Um, I like the characters, the establishment of the characters. I don't think the characters are developed. And I think kind of what they do with the characters, it softens and and it doesn't have the impact that it does in the first third. I like the themes that are being explored through the prime minister and through the diplomats. I thought that was a really interesting, it's almost a political thriller type of movie when it gets to that point. Um, one complaint could be that there's just too many different stories happening. And so the development of those characters doesn't happen, but I do like the effects here. Um, I think we have some uh, great special effects that we haven't quite seen before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some standouts that, you know, you could complain about. There was nothing to me that was just outrageous. Uh, so for me, this is a three and a half out of five. And so on my rankings list, then this is actually my number six film right after Mothra versus Godzilla.
1: Oh, Wow. That's pretty high up there for you.
0: Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good one for me, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for this new direction. It feels, even though we ended on really strong notes with Showa Era, this really is like, all right, something new, and it feels like it's going in the right direction. I'll be interested to see where we end up, but yeah. <laughs> I know I'm going to be excited for next week.
0: Yeah, yeah, next week is going to be fun, Alex. What are we What are we watching next week?
1: We're going to be watching... One of my personal favorites, Godzilla versus Violante.
0: Nice, and if if things work out, we're going to be live. Well, not live, but we're going to be in studio at the Neely Household Studio, Alex. Yeah,
1: it'll be the first time we've recorded in person together.
0: That'll be fun. That'll be yeah. fun. What question did you cook up for us this week to ask next
1: time, Alex? <laughs> I went with when Godzilla meets Violante. Do things get Violante? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so dumb yeah
0: oh man uh, so mine was alright <laughs> uh, uh, mine was when Godzilla <laughs> I can't even talk when Godzilla battles a plant thing does the series remain on an upswing
1: oh that was good that was good i didn't know you knew that godzilla or biolante was a plant thing so i'm already I, had to,
0: I well i heard that someone talked about it on twitter how godzilla versus biolante was basically just godzilla fighting a giant plant so
1: yeah biolante is uh part godzilla part plant and i don't know if the other one uh anyway So, next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers. (laughs) All right. Um, So, I think we can... Where can we watch this film, Alex?
1: All right. This one's actually pretty easy to buy, if you're looking to buy it. Uh, It it doesn't run real high, which is unlike a lot of the other movies, and especially this last movie. But if you're looking to stream Godzilla vs. Biolante. You may not have a whole lot of options. The best place to watch it is... Oh, it's not available anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's a hard Um, one to get a hold of. This one, I think I said this last week, but it is true this week. This is the last hard one to get a hold of. Uh, It is cheap to buy. I think you can buy it for like 6 bucks, And... I really recommend it. And Biollante, I will say I'm a little biased because I this was the only 80s one I had growing up. And Biollante is by far my favorite monster. Nice. Other than Godzilla.
0: So nice. I'm excited. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll hate it and we'll have a battle
1: royale. I'll just cut you out of the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, as always, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're at Al Cornett and at Mr. Eric Neely. And you can always email us, mvmpod at gmail.com. Until next week, Alex. Try, Try to stay, stay alive. alive. That was our best idea. Be sorry, <laughs> See ya.
1: A lot of people liked Phantom Menace when they walked out of it too. It's just that <laughs> it's, it's that like uh Stockholm syndrome. Like you really want to like it. Cause it's like this beautiful movie. Like what's well, not I to saw, like. And no, then it's like, I Oh wait, this tweet? has zero substance. Yeah.
0: No, I saw a tweet that was like um, from a critic. I like, I mean, he was like any movie that you're still talking about and debating about two years after, has at least done something for the franchise
1: I talk about uh, like... the mo i talk about the movie premonition every now and with Sandra Bullock in it because it was the first movie I tried to go to sleep during it it's not a it's not a it's not a compliment for premonition <laughs>